Hello and welcome to A History of the United States, episode 142, Common Sense. When the War of American Independence broke out in April 1775, it's worth remembering that no one at the time realised it was a war of independence. While historians can point to key moments in the build-up to the revolution that there were signs of the times, most notably the Stamp Act protests, the path was not yet assured. Yet, within 15 months of Lexington and Concord, the Americans would make a declaration of independence. While we focused so far on what happened in North America, namely the Patriot capture of Boston and the failed invasion of Canada, but much of the ultimate break was to do with events in Britain. We last left Britain sending word to Gage that he should crush the rebel forces in Massachusetts. Then, on May 29th, 1775, three days into Parliament's summer break, word reached London of events in Lexington and Concord. It soon became clear this was not an isolated incident, but an event of massive proportions. Although this was apparently not evident to King George and Lord North, Parliament was not reconvened for five months until October when the government finally asked for funds to meet the growing crisis. Supplies and troops were sent across the Atlantic, sure, but the lack of immediate British action seems bizarre in retrospect. The British public's reaction to events was at first muted, but news of Patriot victories came over the following months, and voices arguing for repression grew stronger. When the King opened Parliament on October the 26th, 1775, he proclaimed, The rebellious war, now levied, is become more general, and is manifestly carried on for the purpose of establishing an independent empire. Critics of the North Ministry called for Parliament to condemn the King's speech. They recognised that most Americans did not want independence, and they should use the Olive Branch Petition, which had been sent by Congress, to open negotiations. Instead, both houses voted by two to one to support the war effort. The minority continued to protest that the war was unwinnable, but they were ignored. Instead, Parliament was provocative. The Prohibitory Act replaced the Boston Port Bill and essentially withdrew royal protection from Americans and banned all trade with the 13 colonies, which were now under a naval blockade. It was also finally realised that Britain did not have enough soldiers, and so 30,000 troops were raised in Germany, as it was proving difficult to raise them in Britain. Then there was the issue of command. Ultimately, Gage was stripped of his commander-in-chief role, with Carlton taking the commander-in-chief in Canada position, and William Howe for the 13 colonies. Howe's brother, Richard, was made commander-in-chief for the North American Navy. Admiral Howe was also made the Chief Peace Commissioner, and General Howe his second. But their arms were tied as they were not given power to negotiate until the Patriots surrendered, 
and they were tied into conditions by Lord North, such as Americans being freed from parliamentary taxation as long as they paid a set proportion of imperial defence costs. These decisions enraged American opinion. Most Americans were not in favour of independence, yet the king labelled them rebels in August and declared economic warfare on them all with the Prohibitory Act. Then there was the matter of the withdrawal of royal protection. To men steeped in the Enlightenment and the idea of the social contract, this was significant. If the king was no longer offering Americans protection, they no longer owed him their loyalty. And then, outside of the upper classes, the lack of royal protection meant they would need to defend themselves. Becoming an independent nation seemed the most sensible way to do that. And then there was the military factor. It was difficult for the Patriots to view the British as their siblings after fighting against them. There were widows and wounded left after battles. Every battle and every skirmish turned the British from fellow citizens into enemies. The chasm between the two sides was rapidly expanding. And then there was the news that the British would use German soldiers. Foreign mercenaries were common in foreign wars, but using them in a civil dispute was unheard of. If they were treated as another nation by Britain, it's not exactly surprising when they started to feel the same way. But while they may be starting to feel increasingly hostile towards Britain, the other side of the issue was that they had started to feel that they could go it alone. They would not be reliant on Britain for their rights, and they would be able to set their own policies. They wouldn't need to be dragged into conflicts elsewhere in the world by the British Empire. Independence would also help in the short term, as potential allies in France and Spain would be more willing to help out. But, and again I must emphasise this, nothing here was easy or inevitable. Many Americans had learned to view the Bourbons of France and Spain as their enemies, and a few battles with Britain couldn't completely destroy their love of British citizenship. Then there was the question of what came next. If they were to become independent, what would that mean? Would the citizens of Massachusetts and Carolina be able to identify as the same nation? Would they be a monarchy? Where would they get their king from? Or would they be a republic? An attempt to answer these questions was made in January 1776 in a pamphlet called Common Sense. It was published anonymously, and many at the time thought it was written by Dr. Franklin. Instead, it was written by a recent immigrant from England called Thomas Paine. Adjusted for size of population, Common Sense is one of the best-selling books in American history. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to quote all of Common Sense. I thought about it, believe me, but the whole document is 47 pages long, so I'm not going to do that. But it's worth spending a bit of time with it. Payne arrived in Pennsylvania in 1774. His father was a Quaker, and he had no immediate future in England, so it was a logical move. 
He was brilliant with a pen and started writing on behalf of oppressed peoples. What he produced with common sense was a fantastic piece of propaganda that made the case for independence. To quote a small section, Can we but leave posterity with a settled form of government, an independent constitution of its own? The purchase at any price will be cheaper. But to expend millions for the sake of getting a few vile acts repealed and routing the present ministry only is unworthy of the charge and is using posterity with the utmost cruelty because it is leaving them with the great work to do and a debt upon their books from which they derive no advantage. Such a thought is unworthy a man of honour. End quote. It's tempting for literary folk to overestimate Paine's importance. It certainly convinced some that independence was the right choice for Americans. Abigail Adams said that common sense had convinced her. But it's perhaps better to view common sense as a sign of the times. There was a deep unrest in the American consciousness. An uneasiness. While they might say they were still loyal to Britain, there was an uncertainty about what they actually wanted. Since late 1775, Congress had been exploring constitutional options, but in 1776, matters finally advanced. As ever, Massachusetts took the lead. In January 1776, Massachusetts gave its delegates greater authority to act, as did South Carolina in March and Georgia in April. Then, on April 12th, North Carolina authorised its delegates in Philadelphia to vote for independence. On May 15th, Virginia ordered its delegates to introduce a motion to separate from Britain. The tide was turning in favour of independence, but not everyone was there yet. In Philadelphia, some urged waiting for the Howe brothers to start negotiating. Others wanted assurances of foreign alliances. Others still did not have the authority from their colonies. Finally, on June 7th, 1776, a delegate from Virginia, Richard Henry Lee, introduced three resolutions to the Continental Congress. 1. The United States should be free and independent from Britain. 2. There should be an American confederation to govern them. 3. Americans should immediately seek European allies. And this is where we'll leave things for this week. Join me next time when, spoiler alert, the Americans will declare independence. Thanks for listening. I'll see you then.